never forget why you are the church. Well, all right, all right. Well, when things kind of go haywire, my security blanket is God's word. Uh, so my instantly when things start happening like that, my mind goes, just get to the word. So we're going to get right there this morning. If you would turn your Bibles to Jonah. Uh, Jonah, uh, so far we have learned a lot from this backslidden prophet. Uh, from the beginning of the story, Jonah was directly deliberately and dangerously disobedient. Now, I completely understand if we, most everyone knows the story of Jonah, right? Everyone has either read this as a child, or if you have children especially, you have read uh, this story to your child. It's in every single story uh, book for children, biblically. But there's much more to learn than just Jonah got swallowed up by a big fish. There's much more to this story than just what you kind of see just by reading it kind of coldly. So we're going to review this, and we're going to see his disobedience in verses 1 through 3. It says this, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship. Going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, we see that God gave him a command, a deliberate, a, a direct command, and he had deliberate, direct disobedience. And from that point, things began to kind of happen very quickly. See, God sends a great wind, that is a, a great storm into the sea. Everyone is desperately trying to survive this storm except for Jonah. Now, what was Jonah doing during this time? Do you remember? He was doing what? He was sleeping. I don't know about you, but I don't know if it was maybe he was just, uh, he didn't care or whatever it is, but, but there's been times to where, uh, has anyone ever heard a sound in their house at nighttime? Has anyone been alarmed by a sound in their house at nighttime. Has anyone done that and being the man of the house had the responsibility to handle it? Or the woman of the house, you right, you right, you right, you right. Or the woman of the house, you know. For me, it was like, Heather's like, you going? I'm like, no, nah, dude. <laughs> but now listen, we were living in the parsonage. And I'll never forget it because the parsonage is already scary. I don't know if you've ever, uh, and listen, I, like the church house, when it's, I used to always, when I first started preaching, I, I went to school, I worked two jobs, and I also preached and stuff. And, and so I, I do a lot of my studying at nighttime. And so I'd come into the office and I'd study. And, and it was one of those things to where I had to turn every single light on in the church to make it to one, you know, point A to point B. And it was one time I was even thinking, look, I'm going to turn this light off in the hallway. I'm going to walk like a grown man down this. And, and halfway through, I started sprinting and screaming. But anyway, so we were in the, in the parsonage. And, and man, we're, we're, we're laying there. We're, we're sleeping. And all of a sudden, we hear this big old thing. Just cr It was like a, a, a dish was broken or something. We knew that there was things in the spare bedroom that we had put up and stuff. And, and you know how you sleeping, right? And and, and it's like this, and you instantly go. And so I laid there, and 
I was just laying there. And I, I mean, I had, my, I had the thing that you handle that with right there, you know what I'm saying? And I just laid there. It's kind of like when you're a kid. If, you're, if you don't get out of the bed, the boogie monster can't get you, you know what I'm saying? We didn't have much of that time, so he could have taken whatever he thought he needed and had gone on, right? Or she. It could have been a, it could have been a female robber. But anyway, but I never forget I'm laying there, and I'm talking just laying there. And, and Heather finally goes, are you going to do something about this? And I looked at her and said, no. I'm going to lay right here, and I'm just going to hold it past. And she didn't like that, so I got up. And, and if you've been here long enough, you've heard this story. And, and man, I, I thought I was like in a movie. I was like the most uh, masculine person on the face of the earth. I, I had, you know, the thing that you have, and I'm sitting here like this, like 007. I'm like this right here. And I'm starting to sweat, get the jitters, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, please, Lord, whatever happens next, may it glorify you. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm telling you, I busted that door. Boom! And it was our dog. I probably should have shot her. But anyway, but listen, even in that circumstance, I was asleep, right? And, and it, but see, Jonah is in a storm on a boat in the middle of a sea. Now, I'm not sure if God sent Charlie Ray, our little golden doodle, to go knock that thing down, but I do know that God sent the storm to the sea. And yet, because of his sin, because he was so distracted and backslidden, he was able to just fall asleep. But the truth came out. He was so unaware of, of how his sin affects those around him that he fell asleep. But look at verse 7. The, the truth came out, and they said, everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Now right here, when they cast lots back in that time, they would take stones, and they would take one that was you know, colored a different color, and then whoever had that stone, that's who was guilty, or that's who uh, caused it, right? In this situation, you say, well, I don't know about that, and, 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 and here's all you got to say. God made sure that Jonah got that stone. I want you to understand something. God is not going to allow us to continue in sin, to continue to backslide, to continue to turn our backs to him without us becoming miserable, and the truth will be found out in our life. Well, my, 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 my sin is secret. My sin is hidden. Absolutely not. Last week, we learned that Jonah admitted his guilt. He had no other opportunity but to. In verse 12, it says, and he said unto them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be common to you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon us. Now, we look here and we see a, a, a prophet of God who is completely just given up. A, a, a man of God, someone who spoke God's word, someone who declared the truth and the mightiness of Jehovah God. And right here he's saying, I'm, I give up. I'm not, I'm not willing to go to Nineveh. I'm not willing to, to, to repent of me fleeing from the call of my life, but I am willing to just give up and die. So cast me into the sea because this is my fault. This was not Repentance. Just like we do so often, Jonah acknowledged his sin but refused to repent of his sin. 
That's a dangerous way to live. We learned that last week. It's very dangerous to acknowledge that you're in sin and do nothing about it. So they threw him into the sea. Well, what happens next? Well, probably the most well-known part of this story. Let's look at verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. God, I, I praise you regardless of whether we have sound that works or doesn't work, whether we have lights that work or doesn't work, whether we have AC or no AC, God whether we have fancy clothes to wear to come to this assembly. God, I, God, we praise you anyway. We praise you because regardless, we have your word. And we know that we are here, yes, to corporately worship, yes, to corporately fellowship. But most importantly, we are here to get equipped to impact the lost world around us. God, we thank you, Lord. And I pray if there's any, any fleeing uh, people of God here today, God, I pray that they repent and turn back to you. God, I pray if there's anyone here who is lost, Lord, God, I pray today, not tomorrow, not tonight, today, right now, is the time of salvation. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, is this possible that a great fish could swallow up Jonah? Well, actually, it is. Scientifically, I'm not going to go into all this study that I did in my office because it's just not relevant. All I'm saying is God said it, so it's so. But there are both whales and sharks that are large enough to swallow an entire human. There are actually fish that are not whales and sharks that are large enough as well. That actually in of itself is not the miracle. The fact that he got swallowed up by this great fish is not the most amazing part, right? But the miracle is Jonah stayed in the fish's belly for three days. Now that's the miracle. Now this does not necessarily mean 72 hours, right? Uh, but rather 24 hours plus parts of the first day and the third day. Does that make sense? As a matter of fact, that should sound familiar because in Matthew 12, uh, verse 40, Jesus mentions this, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, how did Jonah stay alive? Now, I told you, just to get to the belly is not the miracle. So the miracle is the, the three days that he was in the belly. So how is that possible? How could the, Well, the same way Jesus defeated death, the power of God. I want you to know something. God is more powerful than we give him credit for. So often we pray and we pray in such a, such a way that is so nonchalant and so, well, I just know this is what I'm supposed to do first, so this is what I'm doing. But we really truly don't have the faith that we should have that God can turn that around. According to his will, God will. And we know that Jonah was aware. Now, he may have fell asleep on the ship, but he was wide awake in the belly of the fish. And we're going to read about what he said there. We're going to read all of chapter 2, and then we're going to get started, okay? If you're there, say, read. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell I cried, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet 
I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth, will, her bars was about me forever. Yet thou hast brought me up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God. Brought up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Now, if you just read this, and you're just kind of going through story time with your family, you might think there's not much to learn here. You might think, well, this is just a really cool prayer and, and it got Jonah out of the, out of the belly, right? But th there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. We have to see here that we see signs of a repentant prophet. Signs of a repentant prophet. Now, first off, we see that Jonah knew exactly where he was. Look at verse one. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's Belly. Jonah obviously did not write this in the fish's belly. I don't know what, how he would have done that. But when he got vomited out and later on he recounted what he declared, what he prayed while he was there. Now we will find that, and, and by the way, we're going to look at three signs of a repentant prophet that you can have in your life that will show repentance in your life as well. So the first one we see, we will find that Jonah had a restored focus, a restored focus. Look at verse 2, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. It was in the time of distress. It was from the, the belly of hell. Not that Jonah died, but it was the fear of death that gripped him. That's where he was in his life. Is it not sad what it often takes for God to get our attention? I want you to think about this for a second. It, 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 it didn't take God literally speaking to him to get his attention. It got his attention, but it got his attention enough for him to disobey. It wasn't enough that he got in the ship and God sent a, a, a storm to that ship. It wasn't enough that, that he had pagans telling him, cry out to your God. And that time he could have confessed unto the Lord and repented and cried out and everything would have been fine. That wasn't enough. No, it wasn't enough that they cast lots and he was found out guilty. It wasn't enough that he was cast into the sea to die. He had to get swallowed up by fish. I want you to understand something. If we would just break it down like that for each and every person in here, sometimes we are so foolish. We are so foolish in the fact of God will show us and direct us and guide us and try to get us back in the path. The Holy Spirit will remind us what we've been taught. The Holy Spirit will be grieved with our sin. It'll, the Holy Spirit, he will convict us of our sin, but yet it takes absolute rock bottom. For us to say, okay, God, I can't do it on my own anymore. Look at what it took for Jonah. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, and all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. In his mind, there was no way in the world 
he was going to die. Now, it is interesting and important to note who cast him into the sea. Jonah did not blame the sailors. Amen? Who would we have blamed if we were Jonah? Let's just think about this for a second. Who do we blame for the storms in our life and the consequences of our own sin? Who do we typically blame? Do we? Interesting. Well, we, we, if you said God, go over here. If you said, no, but seriously, think about it. Let's, let's, don't, don't give me no Sunday school answer, right? It's very easy to blame those around you on why you are backslidden. It is very easy to look at those around you to say, well, they did this and they did that. Jonah didn't do that. Think about it. The sailors, once they realized that they would not be uh, put account for that, that person's death, Jonah's death, they took him up and they cast him up into that sea. There was no other questions to be asked. We'd have been like, man, that wasn't nice. They should have changed their mind. Well, that wasn't nice. They should have loved on me in my backslidden state. Well, that wasn't nice. I'm the one that brought the storm because I was disobedient to God, but, but they, they should have understood. They should have tolerated my sin. But he understood that it was God who cast him into the sea. God may have used the sailors to get it done, but it was God's doing. Think about Israel. The Babylonians are the ones who physically put the Israelites into captivity. But it wasn't the Babylonians. It was God who allowed the Babylonians to put the Israelites under captivity. It was God's doing. We try to credit the wrong things and the wrong people in our life when, when certain trials and storms come. Well, they did this. My work is too much. You don't know how my spouse is. Why? It takes the blame away from us. It takes the, it takes the responsibility away from us. Look at the specific words Jonah uses. He says right there, he says, all thy, that means all of God's billows and thy, God's waves passed over me. Church, we will never have a restored focus if we do not first have a reality check. Your sin will bring his discipline into your life. And let me explain something to you. God may chastise you, but the effect of that chastisement will affect those around you. Let me just tell you something. Men in, this, men in this place this morning, whether you have a family or not, if you have a family, the sin in your life that you refuse to repent of, let me, let me just hear me clearly, it will affect your marriage, it will affect your parenting, it will affect your friendships. Oh, well, my friends, they just, you know, they just, they're just too much, and they're just this, and, well, my wife is this. Well, my kids, you know, they're just kids. It's funny to me how people fall so short of faith when their faith should be so increased because they're raising a family that should be raised in the way of the Lord, but yet when that time comes, they start taking steps back. But you know what they do? They blame everybody else. Jonah did not do that. I want you to understand this. Nobody made you. You choose to sin. Nobody makes me sin. As a matter of fact, you say, well, I, I know I'm living in sin in my life. It actually has gotten better since I've disconnected. You better self-examine. That's a dangerous statement you just made. Because as a believer, to live in sin is to live in misery. To live in sin is to live in 
in constant conviction. To live in sin is to, is to realize on, on a day-to-day basis that you are not where you should be. I don't see happiness anywhere in that. But it is God who brings the storm. Look at the start of verse 4. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Could you imagine if it ended here? I mean, just, just bear with me for a second. Imagine just for one moment that the story ended right here. He got cast into the sea, he cries out to the Lord, and then he says in verse 4, Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, and all of a sudden, everything goes dark. Jonah dies. That would, that would be kind of a miserable ending to this story, would it not? He, he started purposely fleeing from God. Now because of his sin, he is cast out, banished. But remember another prophet's writing. In Isaiah, this is what it says. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. See, this is where we see the restored focus. Look at verse 4 again. You can see the depression and the disappointment and the discouragement and just being down that we see in Jonah. But then he says, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Jonah was determined he will look back to the Lord. Psalm 11:4 speaks on this. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Jonah mentions it again in verse 7. He says, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple. In other words, there was a darkness all around him. There was death surrounding him, yet he cried out to the Lord. He refocused his mind. He refocused his eyes unto Jesus. (laughs) The prophet who went the opposite direction, turned his back to God's call, fell asleep in a ship, now is looking again to God. Can I encourage you today? Because I know that I'm sounding very discouraging and very, very, uh, I don't know. It seems normal to me, but anyway. Can I encourage you today? I don't know where you are in your walk. I don't know how backslidden you are. But Jonah went all the way to the belly of the fish and yet refocused to Jesus. Now, you may sit here and say, well, you know what? In life, hey, that's where I'm at. I'm surrounded by the depths. I'm surrounded by darkness, pastor. You don't realize what I'm going through? Then let me encourage you some more. He was right there, yet he turned his eyes toward Jesus in his holy temple. Listen, I don't care where you are. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care what you've done. If you are God's child, you cannot go too far to where his arm cannot reach out and bring you back in. And today you can refocus, have a renewed focus on Jesus. You say, what about me? I'm lost. Well, there's a, <laughs> you can have a renewed or restored, uh, I don't know, life because of Jesus. You can have a new nature. The Bible says that he can make you a whole new creation. All the old things are past. Behold, everything becomes new. But now he's looking again to God. What a beautiful illustration of God's grace. Well, again, how about you? When is the last time that you looked to God and cried out to him? When is the last time that you stopped what you were doing and just cried out to the Savior? Have you lost focus? Has your faith weakened? 
Things didn't immediately get better for Jonah, by the way, in regards to the situation. This is another reality we have to understand. Look at verse 5. It says this, The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountain. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Notice this. A lot of times we think, well, God, I'm going to cry out to you. I'm going to refocus, so you got to take all this away. Notice that he refocused. Notice that he turned his eyes to the Lord again. But yet, right after that, he talks about the depths are still there. The waters still compassed him about, even to the soul. The weeds, literally the vegetation of the sea was wrapped around him. See, in his mind to this point, he was still thinking, I'm going to die. But Jesus, I'm turning back to you. He may have thought he was in the watery grave, but look at his response in verse 6. Yet... Hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God? O Lord, my God, the same God he fled from, the same God he tried to hide from, the same God he fell asleep on, but now Jonah has been restored. He cries out to his God. Where is your focus, church? How difficult Is it for God to get your attention? Do not forget God is the master of the sea. It is his billows and his waves that he can cause to pass over you. You say, I'm not understanding it. God can cause things in your life to get your attention that's not going to be so enjoyable. God will send storms in your life to strengthen you. God will just send storms in your life to refocus you, to turn you back to where you need to be going. Jonah had restored focus. But it wasn't just his restored focus. We also see that he had renewed gratitude. Look at verse 8 and 9. It says, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Here we see that Jonah acknowledges who is faithful. In verse 8, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. He's saying to trust a worthless idol is foolish. To trust that which is incapable of the truth is to forsake mercy. I also study out of the uh, NASB. That is a New American Standard Bible, and and it makes it a little bit clearer for this particular verse. Those who are followers of worthless idols abandon their faithfulness. Church, when you flee from God, you will turn to something or someone else. I have never seen someone who is backslidden who is not committed to something. Whether it be recreation, whether it be the family, whether it be the occupation, whether it be uh, 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 the weekends and, and, and whatever, hanging out with the buddies, whatever it may be. 
When you turn from the Lord, you are going to turn to something because as our nature is, we, have, we desire to have a relationship with something or someone. You say, well, preacher, I'm a loner. Well, here's the thing. You may be a loner with people, but you've got things that, will, that you will attach yourself to that can become an idol. See, Jonah here is saying that when you forsake the Lord, when you follow worthless idols, what you do is you abandon he who is faithful for those who are unfaithful. How foolish. A backslidden believer is an idolatrous believer, and they abandon their faithfulness. God is not so, however, because God is faithful. As a matter of fact, if you read about Jeremiah, they call him the weeping prophet. He looks around and sees all the the sin and the idolatry and the corruption of God's people. The paganism, the mixing of religions, the mixing of lifestyles. And he sees that they refuse to turn. And so he was known for just weeping just continuously being broken. And and if you read Jeremiah, it's very difficult not to read Lamentations because it's in Lamentations that Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, the one who saw literally in his ministry, barely saw any fruit, any harvest, any turn to God, yet his entire life was committed. In Lamentations, he's the one that wrote, great is thy faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. Can I speak to those who have not abandoned the faithful one? Listen, don't give up. You may never see that harvest. You may may think that you'll never see the fruit produced from what you're doing. You may think that all you do is beg and plead for people to follow the Lord. But listen, I want you to understand, beyond a shadow of a doubt, great is his faithfulness. And for those that aren't, for those that have abandoned, for those that are just kind of on the fence and you can sit there and excuse yourself all biblically because you know just enough Bible to be ignorant. You better get right. You say, is that a threat? No, no, no. I, I have no authority to threaten you. Did you know that? All I know is I know what God did to Jonah and I don't want that to happen to you. You better get right. When are you going to get tired of the excuses? When are you going to get tired of all these petty little things that you cause and you, and, you, and you excuse and reason your way out of being faithful to the one who is faithful to you? When are we going to stop getting in our own way? You say, well, let's, let's get to somewhere else. Well, let's do that. Look at verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I love this right here. What was Jonah's sacrifice? Don't miss this. It was praise. To lift his voice in thanksgiving. You show me a believer who keeps their mouth shut during worship, I'll show you an unthankful Christian. Oh, did that hit home this morning? Was that too personal? You show me someone who sits there and just, We're sitting here singing, and everything's going wrong. I get it. It was a, it was a show to be seen this morning, and I, and I understand that. <laughs> that made me had a, 
I just I was just gonna fall over, just go right into the baptistry and just swim swim away. But anyway, listen, you, it's not just this morning. And and listen, unfortunately, you have a pastor who is also the worship leader. So so I'm sitting here and I'm kind of you know both both worlds of it. But but it, it just absolutely confuses my mind when we can sit there and sing about how good he is and how there's nothing better than him. We can sit there and sing that he, he turns mourning to dancing. He, he turns the bones into armies. And we can sit there and in our nice homes, in our nice clothes, in our, in our full pantries at the house, in all these blessings that we have in our high-paying jobs, yet we can sit there when people are across the sea that if their voices are heard crying out to the Savior, they could be imprisoned or have their head cut off. And you know what they do? They praise out of thanksgiving anyway. But yet us in our pamperedness, yet us in our spoiled mindset, we can sit here and think, You're unthankful. You're backslidden. I don't care who it is. I don't care what your name is. That's the truth of the matter. How can we see and experience the goodness of God and not praise his name? Jonah was physically in the belly of a fish in the depths of the ocean knowing he was going to die. You know what he did? He praised the Lord. God help us. Look at the end of verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah here is promising obedience. Thankfulness to God. Listen, thankfulness to God goes hand in hand with obedience to God. When I, when I show my gratitude to my wife, you know what I start doing? I start doing the things that I should do. Not saying I don't always do the things that I should do. Okay, that kind of sounded bad. But I go above and beyond, you know what I'm saying? Right, when you show, listen, you know how to show thankfulness to your spouse. There's no doubt in my mind that you could give, they don't have to make you a list. I'm going to show thankfulness to you today, baby, and you're going to do all these things. You know exactly what's going to happen. Listen, we know exactly what God desires from us. Obedience. To do what he said to do. He says, God, I will be obedient to you because salvation is of the Lord. He is not obedient to get salvation. Jonah here is obedient because of salvation. He had a restored focus. He had a renewed gratitude. Can I ask you today before we go any further, do you have gratitude this morning for Jesus? Are you thankful for what he's done in your life? Or is Jesus simply an afterthought? Is he simply something on Sunday? The only thing left here was his recommissioning. We're going to read verses 10 and through verse or chapter 3. It says, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Now, this right here, this is amazing to me. This shows the awesomeness of God. First off, notice it said vomited uh, Jonah out. I think God has a sense of humor. 
the fish might have just could have just kind of let them out nice and easy, but God's like saying, you're still kind of stubborn. Blech, you know what I'm saying? Like, get out of here. But, but even more awesome than that, do you remember how this story started? Let's look at it again. Now, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. I'll have you know that was almost six weeks ago that we, start, that we looked on that, message-wise. Think about all we've learned since that time. Think about all that's happened to Jonah since that time. Now, now let's look at it again. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, <laughs> saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. He's saying, what are you saying? Repentance will always lead to getting back into God's will. See, Jonah refused to go to Nineveh to the point to where he was willing to die. But that did not change God's plan. You want to know why some of us have quit and fled and never get back to where we were? You want to know why some of us has, has allowed church hurt and this and, 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 and people saying this and, and, and all these emotional things to allow us to get backslidden and we excuse it by pointing to everyone else, pointing to all the sailors that cast us into the sea, but not realizing that it was really our, our, our refusal to repent of our sin in our life. Where is your focus? Are you thankful this morning? Will you obey? I can tell you this. I've made the joke before. I got a, you know, one of my close friends, he's a car salesman. He's like, man, if you just sold cars, dude, man, you, you sell all kind of cars. I'm like, I know, but you need to make money too, so I'm going to let you do that. Anyway. But it's funny because sometimes I get so discouraged and I think, man, I, this is just, it's just too much. And then you know what I start doing? I start saying, this person, that person, he, she, they don't do this. They don't do that. They're, they're emotional. They're sensitive. They're this. They're that. Now, I'm just being honest this morning. And I get to thinking about that. Oh, you can't go to them because if you go to them, then you might lose them. And you can't call out sin because if you call out their sin, then, then all of a sudden they're going to just leave the church. And well, where does that leave us? And, and, and there's just a constant battle of how to do and what to do. Does that make any sense? And, and by the way, you understand that I'm going to I'm gonna have to make account for all these souls right here. That's why I take it so seriously, church. Do you realize that? And there's sometimes where I'm like, you know what? I'll just do something else. That's what I'll do. I'll just, I'll just take off the suit and tie, and I'll go do something else. And I'll have like two or three days to where I'm thinking in my mind, like, man, that sounds good. That sounds real good. I ain't going to have, I'll clock out of work and won't have to worry about none of y'all. My phone will just turn off. It'll just be me and my family. You understand what I'm saying? And then in that time, the Holy Spirit of the living God who is faithful. <laughs> begins to convict me of that. And before I know it, because I refocus on him, I stop thinking about all the people who've disappointed me. 
and I refocus on the one who has never let me down. And when I start getting my focus right, and when I start becoming thankful to the fact that he's never let me down, and I'm thankful because he's the one who saved me, all of a sudden it's, I can't do anything else but what he's called me to do. Church, you say, well, Pastor Jacob, that sounds so good. Your story is so cool. Hold on, hold on. It's the same for your life as a believer. God has called you to do something. God has called you to obedience regardless of what that something is. But yet we let all the circumstantial things around us dictate our obedience. And if we would just focus on the one that we're serving, if we would just, if we would just focus our gratitude on the one who has never let us down, we'd understand that even though we walked away, God will recommission us to the exact same will that he had for us before. So this morning, I just wonder, can we relate to Jonah? Can you relate to Jonah? What are you fleeing from? Are you in the belly of the fish in your life? Are, are, are you maybe unlike Jonah and you're blaming all the sailors, but not acknowledging it was God who has sent the storm in your life? What is it today? What is that step you need to take? Maybe it's a step of turning to the Lord. Whatever it may be, I can tell you this. If you are a believer, if you are born again, that Holy Spirit that so clearly speaks to me in those times of discouragement and those times of wanting to give up, that same Holy Spirit, you know what's so awesome about God? That same Holy Spirit, he's speaking to you right now. So with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place,